Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 241 is, from Kana Rince and Destructoid as well, is Charlotte Cutts. Hello, been a while. Welcome back. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, (laughs) Just got people beating down our doors trying to come on this show. Uh, But yes, thank you for being ready and up for it this weekend, uh, for 
scheduling reasons, this has ended up being my third Sound of Play in a row. So sorry to those of you who miss Ryan, but he'll be back very soon, probably in Sound of Play 242. And uh, hopefully we'll tide you over with, I think we've got a really delightful, gorgeous selection of music today uh, to hopefully soothe us in these troubled times. Uh, at the time of recording, you may be listening to this far in the future when international drama, trauma seems like... Uh, Hopefully seems like a, a distant memory, but right now things are challenging for everybody. And uh, yeah, I think we've, between you, Charlotte, and the listener requests, we've pulled together nine just really beautiful tracks to remind us kind of what it's all about, what, uh, what we all want to, to enjoy in life. And we started off with Calling Home. Now, is it pronounced Mutazioni? I think so. Yeah. I've never heard it spoken out loud, so I no. can't really say for sure. I want to know about this because as well as the music, <clears throat> which is obviously lovely there from Alessandro Coronas, uh, this game was free on the Epic Game Store this week at the time of recording. So oh. I've just I've just added it to my collection of games that is always, I mean, this, for instance, this week on the Epic Game Store, they gave away three decent quality games, including this one. So it's just insane how many good games you can add to your library for no money at all uh, so tell me about mutazioni and also why you uh, why you enjoy the music yeah um actually complete coincidence i didn't realize it was going for free it's just no. one of the the best uh, point and click games i've played in a really long time so i thought i'd i'd pick something from the soundtrack um mm. so this game is it's sort of like a soap opera and it's about mutants but the mutants part of it is sometimes comes into the story but very often it's just like the background dressing which i find is really clever that it's more like i don't know a bit like in in some aspects a little bit like hollyoaks or something like good the, <laughs> the good hollyoaks of like the uh, early 2000s but, right um, okay that is a comparison i've not heard for too many games but <laughs> based on our recent recording for the yakuza zero show i know you like a bit of soap opera in your game yes uh, so it's about a girl who um, she lives in the city and she comes over during her school holidays to visit her grandpa who's very sick and she integrates into this little village of uh, mutants and th th there's a history behind why they are mutants and they've all got some sort of past trauma that they're processing and they're all sort of interconnected as little villagers tend to be with sort of romantic drama and other stuff. And it's just a really cool, very chilled, despite the subject matter, mm. point and click game. Um, very uplifting in parts, very sad in parts. And you can, if you wanted to, you could get it done in a day. It's about seven hours, I think, if you do everything. And there's a little sort of, to sort of spread the joy in the village, you have to build these miniature gardens and you have to sort of pick your plants based on the sort of mood you want to build. And mm. if you're into like things like, um stardew valley you right you might enjoy that and it's also not super detailed like you can't really do much wrong with it so if you find that sort of stuff kind of stressful it's actually really easy to get oh, used to how you do the building the gardens mm. so overall it's just a very a very cool game and yeah as i say one of the best point and clicks well it's, i don't know if i'd describe it actually as point and click it's more like because it's not like in the sense of your um you know what 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 like it's, it's not like combine item with item puzzles exactly is it, is it it's not really like that but you do More go a story. around yeah you go around a village and you talk to people to progress yeah. the story right yeah so i would definitely okay. recommend 
And uh, yeah, it looks like it's got quite a, an interesting art style as well. Um, and I just wanted to say, as this show will come out on Wednesday the 17th, if you're recording, uh, sorry, if you, we're recording on the 15th, if you're listening to this as the show comes out, you've still got until 3 p.m. on March the 19th. I think that's UK time. I assume the shop store is adjusted for me in GMT. The game is still free until Friday. So, and that's also along with a couple of other highly rated games from uh, various studios, independents. We've got A Short Hike, which uh, is well loved, and Anodyne 2, Return to Dust as well. So uh, I am in no way an Epic Game Store shill because I have no relationship or connection with them. But free games are good, especially now we all might have some extra time indoors to uh, get these things done. And uh, they might be a pleasant time. So the music in Mutazioni, is it? Uh, is it generally just in the same way as I would associate with traditional point and click adventures? It's just kind of location to location and the music kind of just kind of just lends a backing, just kind of plays away in the background as you're playing. Or does it swell up in certain instances and kind of come to the forefront? Um, I don't think it's really timed to to anything that's going on in the game, but it is a very beautiful soundtrack. And it just sort of um, it's one of those soundtracks that I didn't get bored of. And yeah, it's just it's just really sort of emotional and very technically really good. It doesn't just blend into the background as nothingness. There's definitely some sort of artistic merit to it. Um, yeah, and this is one of the more um, emotional pieces, I think, because this is timed to... You often have like phone calls with your mother um, who's back right. in. And there's some sort of... It is, it is a couple of months since I've played it, so I can't quite remember everything in the game, yeah. but um, basically th- there's a reason why she's se- been separated from her grandpa. Grandpa has done some stuff in the past that has sort of caused tension within the family, and um, ringing home is also like, at the beginning, it's like you can sense that at the beginning she wants to be back home and she's ringing because she is, you know... Wants, wants to you know talk to her mum she wants to be there and she's annoyed that she's had to come to this island but as it goes on it's like almost like you know oh do I really have to ring home I'm having so much fun here <laughs> so all right uh, excellent is it we'll have to check is it on our big list of games to cover on the podcast someday I might have put it on but um yeah we'll it should check. be on <laughs> Good stuff. All right uh, next up we have something from a uh, a bigger probably a bigger budget game um from a big studio monolith and warner brothers and this is a game probably didn't get a huge amount of attention apart from some negative attention when it first came out for its inclusion of uh, loot box mechanics which i believe were stripped out after the backlash as a lot of uh, has happened to a number of games now uh, but regardless of that the music was composed by uh, gary Scheiman, who we've featured so many times on the show from uh, bioshock The request is from Flabio, who says, I finished Middle Earth Shadow of War recently and was pleasantly surprised by the end credits theme. The game's own music was a fairly forgettable attempt to mimic Howard Shaw's Lord of the Rings scores. But the end theme, well, that's something a little more interesting. So here it is, Fires of War. Thank you. 
from Middle Earth, Shadow of War. The vocal there is by Kelly Schaefer. That was composed by Gary Scheiman and Nathan Grigg. I never got around to the second Middle Earth game, but I did enjoy the first one, Shadow of Mordor. Had some good fun with the uh, the often cited uh, mechanics. I've forgotten the name. Ne- was it Nemesis Mechanics? The the system by which uh, you had proper kind of run-ins with um, procedurally generated foes, which would actually uh, you know come back to haunt you, and they would remember if you bested them before and all that kind of thing. It's a system that everyone was saying, oh, they should put this in every game, and no one's used it again, sadly. Got any affection for Lord of the Rings or related stuff, Charlotte? Absolutely not. It's, oh, really? it's just really not my thing. Like I would sit and watch a marathon of the films to say that I'd done it, and you know, as sort of an a bemused outsider. But <laughs> getting into it in terms of playing the games and stuff's just really. It's I don't hold a lot of affection for really sort of dingy, grotty sort of fantasy. If if you know yeah. what I mean, it's the same with yeah, like games yeah. Game of Thrones. I've I've played the Telltale. A okay. game of that and it, i found it interesting as an outsider coming to brand new material but i can't say it ever really stuff with like warring monarchies and fighting mm-hmm. with like orcs and stuff's just really not my thing excellent so this next piece is from something that is much more your thing i know you have mentioned this game to me before but i know again i know very little about it other than the title lisa the painful rpg yes um boy oh boy what's this all about so this is sort of it's it's very it, it shares some similarities with Undertale in how it came about so it was a one man band who made the game and it's also very sort of in, interacts with themes of death and there's mm-hmm. a lot of parallels between this and Undertale and yet it wasn't as successful as Undertale which I think is a real shame um right. so basically it's about a world in which um women don't exist anymore women have died out and it's all about how men survive in this world where ev- yeah. all the women are gone but your character right at the beginning um who is a, a horrible drug addicted traumatized man yeah. um he finds a baby and the baby is female and then it's all about how um <sighs> he tries to raise her and he does his best but he's a flawed character and then she runs away and then you have to go and find her and um, it's very nihilistic, very depressing game in parts, but it also has a lot of humour. And um, it's just funny as a woman to play this game and just to see a commentary on what men would be like if they were left to themselves. <laughs> and to be clear, this is a game by a man, right? Yes. Austin Jorgensen is the person responsible for the game and the music. Yes. And it's it's got a lot of themes of martial arts, which is interesting because Austin Jorgensen, I think, is was a professional in some sort of martial arts at one oh, point. Wow. And also themes of wrestling, like there's a, a macho man Randy Savage parody character in there. Right. So it's it's a really cool game. Um there's a sequel as well and there's been a couple of fan games, but it's it's kind of not for the faint hearted, like if you're in a bad mood or if you need something uplifting, definitely don't play this game. <laughs> Okay, Uh, but still the music's lovely and so often I think we associate these one-man band games with music that's maybe more, I don't know why, maybe it's just coincidence, but down the traditional chiptune route, but this isn't that necessarily, is it? No, it's very in-your-face and very aggressive in parts, but there are one or two very relaxing songs thrown into the mix. Um, It's 
it's just very because the game is very violent in its themes and very confronting and there's a lot of like even though it is sort of it's, it's done in rpg makers so there's graphical limitations it's still very gory and kind of disturbing in parts what you see and the music sort of is the same thing it kind of seeps into your consciousness and sort of invades your space and uh this is one of the more chill tracks but there are some which are very sort of very loud and very punchy <laughs> Boy Oh Boy by Austin Jorgensen from Lisa, the painful RPG by Dingaling Productions, who is Austin Jorgensen. That's from six years ago now. It's PC and Mac only. Hasn't come to consoles, disappointingly. No Switch version. Yeah. Maybe it didn't do well enough. Um, I mean, the thing is, from what I gather, Austin, he's interested in a lot of different things and he kind of wanted to go and do some some sort of mixed media right. thing afterwards and it's it's okay. like i don't think he's invested in you know building a games empire and it's interesting mm. because actually um i know a bit about this game from the speedrunning perspective as well and it was broken for a really long time because uh, windows 10 just didn't support it properly ah. 
so but it's been fixed now but it took a really long time to be fixed so don't expect it to come to switch or ps4 anytime soon okay i'm sure it turns up on steam at affordable prices and wherever else uh, yeah, it was made with a modest uh, Kickstarter, which uh, they started with a goal of $7,000 and uh, they had $16,500, which, you know, is incredibly modest, uh, an incredibly modest budget for a for a whole video game, even if it is a one-person job. Uh, if you think about what an annual salary that would trans- translate to um, and just in, just in terms of time and, and effort put in. I'd be interested, you know, to see austin make a game that was about his interpretation of what society would be like the other way around where it was uh, (laughs) all matriarchal and they find a boy baby or a female author similarly talented makes a game about their interpretation of what that would be like so many interesting possibilities yeah i don't it's hard for me to think of what that would be like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure it's been done. I mean, certainly in science fiction, we've had various looks at uh, those kinds of... Uh, it's kind of a trope, isn't it? One gender dies out, thinking about mm. children of men. And there was a Russian film from the uh, early 80s, I think. It's called... I think the translation translated title is Sex Mission. And um, there's I think there's like two men left or something like that. And uh, and it's this entirely matriarchal society. And then the, the final shot of the film, spoiler is a close-up of a newborn baby with a penis, um, hmm. sort of suggesting that there's going to be a new, uh, a change to, to the way things are going. Um, but yes, probably more well-read and learned people than I will be able to cite many more examples of uh, science fiction that covers that interesting future possibility. Um, or I'm sure, I expect now also, uh, as we enter the the sort of the gender-fluid uh, age and uh, a time when we more embrace the idea that actually we've been we've kind of had it wrong throughout history that uh, about there being only two genders i'm sure there are uh, there's already science fiction out there and being written about an entirely uh, gender fluid society next up another uh, big budget theme from a big budget game and this is an interpretation of martin o'donnell's uh, famous halo music from Halo 4, Gingertastic 01 requests, when I heard Martin O'Donnell was not going to be scoring Halo 4, I was pretty disappointed. However, I ended up loving what Neil Davidge did with the score in the game. But the track I'm going to request is not from Davidge, but from Kazuma Janucci. Kazuma would later go on to score Halo 5, but here he gives O'Donnell's classic track a new sense of epicness.
That was the main title from Halo 4, which we covered some years ago on the Cane and Rinse podcast. And we're latterly, now it's been it's been about five years itself, and we're expecting a new Halo. Uh, we're going to cover Halo 5 later this year on that show, so check it out. Now, this is also, uh, this is a pick that isn't from uh, a little indie production from you, and I'd forgotten how much I loved this piece. This is the main theme from L.A. Noir, uh, Charlotte. So this, I mean, this kind of ticks some of your boxes, and it's although it does have those fairly kind of basic action sequences this was more of a an interactive fiction yeah i love la noir um not to spoil too much but i felt mm-hmm. like it, it sort of was a bit of a damp squib towards the end yeah i would say it, it yeah. lost its way a bit yeah but the 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 core of it was really interesting um i do i do like the the the, the meat of what rockstar does with their games even if i haven't played all of them and things like Red Dead, for example, I'm not sure if that's sort of my bag really. Mm. Um, and some of the GTAs I've got mm. on with to varying extents, but LA Noir is a lot more my speed. Um, mm. So crime, um, crime stories, I read a lot of uh, true crime and, and um, you know, sort of mystery is, is kind of my um, genre that I enjoy as well. So yeah. it, I really liked it. Um, and the just the story about I found Cole a very compelling character, even even if his sort of, you know, his facial expressions are a bit dodgy sometimes, and, yeah. and <laughs> his actual character and the the idea of a a man who's trying to keep his integrity and yet losing his way, I, I found that very interesting. Yeah. Um, and just it's just interesting to also see a rock star game that's from the perspective of the police in a kind of way. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this was famously by Team Bondi, and there was a complicated development and relationship process there. Uh, it, of course, adopted this, uh, at the time, highly sophisticated facial capture technology where we were left with these, uh, for the time, remarkably lifelike-looking uh, avatars and characters. But actually, I know, because this game has ended up being re-released on current-gen machines in the last couple of years, and people are sort of saying, yeah, it's not quite as, as good as you remember. It's one of those things that's because text moved on the sort of the uncanny valley kicks in a bit but i think the game is still personally i thought it was worth experiencing i know a lot of people are quite down on it we covered it back in issue 98 of the cane and rinse podcast and uh, most of us were quite positive on it despite uh, some flaws and shortcomings but certainly for me as well as the recreation of la itself uh, was uh, pretty beguiling back in 2011 at least the the jazz music by andrew hale and simon hale um, I mean, the mood that this title theme sets is absolutely dripping with atmosphere palpably. Yeah, um, I saw some YouTube comments saying it's really channeling, you know, Miles Davis and those sort of jazz musicians. Yeah. And it, it mm. really, really is. And it's it's just perfect for the for the setting and the time. Thank you. 
Hélène Noir's main theme by The Hales, Andrew and Simon, from Rockstar's 2011 game originally. I think there's a, there's an even a VR version, isn't there? PSVR yeah. or, or VR missions or whatever. Uh, VR cases, something like that. I don't know if it, it's an adjunct to the main game. I remember they released a couple of DLC story parts uh, back in the day. I played it on PlayStation 3. Been a while, though. Yeah. It's been a few years for me as well. I, I played it on PS3 as well um, before the... It's a bit of a shame, really, because if I'd have just waited a, a year or so, I would have been able to play it remastered and, I, you mm. know, but... Well, yeah. you still can. It will no can, doubt pop yeah. up cheaply in sales and uh, you can dive back into that uh, yeah. murky world. Not really one for replaying games at the moment, though. No, I've got too much too many. to play. <laughs> too many new ones. I know the feeling, yeah. Now, a request from a PC-only game from the mid-2010s. This is uh, No More Spiros who says, near the onset of the journey of a mayflyer whose lifespan is roughly 24 hours, you gaze into the depths of space as countless shooting stars whiz by. Rather than making the player feel small or insignificant, it instead suggests a sense of inspiration, a desire to make the most of the short time you've been given on this planet. In other words, it's a song whose message is meant for both the player and their avatar.
was Stars by Matt Mayer from a game called Ephemerid, a musical adventure. Super Chop. Do you know anything of that one, Charlotte? I must confess I don't. No, me neither. I, I had a quick look before we started recording and it looks very worth a play. Um, yeah. And I could see like from listening, having a quick listen to the track that uh, some of the rock opera elements mm. are definitely present. Um, seems pretty cool. Um, I know. There are just so many of these gems, yeah. aren't there? Just, just mm. these little games that maybe, I don't know how long this game is, but I presume it's not that long. And mm. like, you could easily just sit down and play a bunch of these in an entire Sunday, but it's just, you never get around to it, do you? Yeah. Well, as I say, uh, in the current climate, who knows, especially those of us who normally follow sport, all sport at the time of recording this show has pretty much been cancelled, leaving us suddenly with gaping voids where a lot of our, uh, our social and leisure time was. Uh, so Yep, uh, embracing silver linings where you can. It might mean getting a few of those interesting backlog games from that burgeoning Steam library, Epic Game Store library, Origin library, Uplay library, <laughs> etc., etc., etc. Not to mention the consoles. Uh, and this is another one, again, that uh, has not exactly gone under my radar. I'm aware of its existence, but uh, it's another fascinating-looking title that is clearly warranted you know warrants attention this is uh neo cab and a pick from you uh we'd expect I, I think the name kind of evokes uh neon lit cyberpunky or futuristic noir um yeah that's that's sort of the theme of it but there's a lot more to it than that i would say it's mm -hmm. not really just leaning on the the sort of uh what's it cyberpunk yeah mm. it's it's also about um automation of things and how um for example, it's not much of a spoiler to say that the, the, the main character is a cab driver and there's a theme of how um, human-driven cars are seen as more dangerous and so there's a lot of prejudice against human taxi uh, drivers. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, there's other themes as well, like she's, she's moved to the city to find her friend and the relationship between the two of them is quite strained and sort of very needy in a way and it's all about also um you know what's a healthy friendship is mm. a really big theme in this game and it covers all these big themes and it does them all pretty well like it's not an in-depth study of friendship or of uh, you know corporations moving towards automation but it does a decent job of all these different themes and it's only three hours so it's something that you could i completed it in an entire evening so yeah, it's, it's another one of these little indie gems that's really well written, but very compact and you mm. can just play it on an, on an afternoon or an evening off. So it's another game probably where the soundtrack's important in terms of selling the world and the story. And this is from Obfusk, who is Joseph X. Burke, um, probably best known in video games for the Monument Valley soundtrack.
that was Halogen Mosaic from Chance Agency's Neo Cab. Uh, why did you pick that one piece in particular, Charlotte? It's a really good piece because it sort of evokes the feeling of loneliness that you're this cab driver who's driving around a city and picking people up. And sometimes the people you pick up just aren't very nice. Sometimes they have redemption arcs. Sometimes it feels like they don't. And also you might get pulled over by um, the police that are very biased against human taxi drivers. Right. So it's, it's, it creates this feeling of, of you know, it's, it's very cyberpunk, but at the same time, it's a very sort of, it, it makes me feel this feeling of she's just driving around and on tenterhooks the whole time. There's, there's also this, this weird um, sort of, you have to save up money for things, like you have to save up money for your petrol, I think. I, I seem to remember, but definitely for somewhere to sleep overnight. And um, there's these little um, sort of blurbs about if you've slept somewhere really dodgy, then it tells you that you just don't feel great the next day. And then mm. um, if you sleep at a, a sticky fancy motels. hotel, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, right. And and so yeah. it's it's sort of you're always like pushing to scrape together enough money to to last into the next day. So it's a track that really evokes that feeling of you know panic and having to scrape things together and it does make sense actually thinking about it I, I don't drive myself but i'm often a front seat passenger and of course nine we the, the dangers we see on the road are caused by people's lack of awareness of their own mortality or other people's mortality so in theory a world of entirely automated cars would lose that element of risk taking and um and sheer kind of devil may care it will never happen to me. So, so there is almost, I, I, it's quite a believable future where human drivers would be uh, pariahs in a world of very, very safe automated cars that were all reacting to one another and working on a, on a, you know, on a system of data effectively. I mean, isn't that sort of like what Tesla wants to achieve eventually? And I, I presume at some point they'll argue the reason that self-driving cars aren't working properly is because there are other cars on the roads that are, drived, are driven by humans. Sure. Yeah. So- yeah yeah uh interesting i wonder if i'll still be around to see the the age of entirely automated cars might be coming sooner than you think yeah that's interesting that music we were talking about the la noir music there and um that reminds me of bernard herman's taxi driver score and then here we are talking about maybe a game that has a sort of uh has relations to taxi driver and so we hear this kind of is it synth wavy kind of interpretation of that kind of same mood or vibe yeah i'd say so that's a pretty pretty good description of what it's trying to achieve i think nice okay uh next request our final request from the community for this sound of play is from another big one from detroit we've played a few of this game's themes before this is the game that even managed to persuade some real quantic dream haters that maybe they had some merit after all including our jay the editor of this show uh and so the uh, the soundtrack was famously divided by uh, divided between three composers who each were given music for one of the three main characters the protagonists and rob 25x says i would like to recommend this beautiful theme from my personal favorite game of the current generation philip shepherd's kara's main theme from the amazing detroit become human enjoy
Quantic Dreams, Detroit to Become Human. I have a feeling we're covering that this year, but my, <laughs> my yeah. age... We are, aren't we? Yeah, yes. I'm going to be on that show. Good, good. Okay, so yes, we, uh, we've we managed to keep up with almost all of the Quantic Dream games. The only one we haven't done, we haven't gone back and done their first game, Omicron or The Nomad Soul. Uh, whether we will or not, who can say? Some people would like us to complete the set. But yes, I think uh, listener, regular listeners can expect a more positive response to Detroit than they got to um, Beyond Two Souls, <laughs> for example. <laughs> Are you a general fan of that output? Um, I was before, but the more I've played them, the less, the more I've realised <laughs> that the criticisms of them are kind of valid. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I didn't dislike Beyond as much as some people, but it, okay. in turn, I didn't like Detroit as much as some people. I feel like there's probably less, I feel like there's less of a gap between those two games and what they achieved than some mm. people think. And I, I, I don't know. Um, there's, I, I did quite like Detroit, and I'm actually looking forward to replaying it. But I don't think it was some sort of masterpiece, to be quite honest. Tune in later this year on the Kane and Rince podcast to find out. You can get those shows early on Patreon, or even just listen to them on Spotify uh, or anywhere in between. Uh, well, we're coming up to our final track for this sound of play. Thanks for joining me, Charlotte been great <laughs> on this sunday early afternoon for you late morning for me if i sound slightly blearier and vaguer than usual that's probably why we normally record in uh, i can't even speak we normally record in the afternoon or the evening uh, which leads to its own issues of course as well thank you also to our community contributors please do head over to canarince.com slash forum to join in with the community discussion about the games and the podcasts uh, but also to request your tracks for future Sound of Play podcasts. We thrive on those picks because we can't possibly nominate every song ourselves. Uh, there's just too much amazing stuff out there to be heard and to be shared. And we want to hear uh, what you think about these pieces, why they mean something to you. If there's a story attached to them, that's always great as well. Yeah, which brings us to the final track. Uh, Probably something a, a bit more, uh, a bit lighter, a bit less serious than some of the pieces we've featured today, but should uh, have us leaving this show on a high note. So, as I mentioned earlier, we recently recorded our first ever Yakuza show, which was on the prequel Yakuza Zero, which is where a lot of people recommended that we started. We're going to cover the original game and, uh, and Kiwami, the HD remaster kind of affair update uh, later this year. This one is from... Which one is this from? Because I failed to write it down. Is this from Zero? No. No, it's it, from Kiwami 2. This is from Kimball. That's right. Kiwami 2. So uh, have you been... This is, so we're going to hear the cabaret operation theme. We think it's by Hidenori Shoji. Is the, is, he's the main composer for the series. We, we've heard in your uh, from Yakuza 0 that both you and uh, Leah got severely into... Uh, the sort of the management mini games and sub games of this is this now a recurring thing with you and this is just going to be in every game in the series you're going to have to own the city <laughs> i mean i i'm not quite sure yet i'm on four at the minute um mm. and so far it's only been zero and kiwami 2 that have had this mini game which okay. is it's okay i mean I, there's so much to do that I can just go and do something else instead it's not a big deal um but yeah, the the Kiwami Two game is an updated version of the the, the cabaret mini game in Zero, and it's it's excellent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my only bugbear with the cabaret operation uh, minigame in Kiwami 2 is that I couldn't finish it because the last one was too hard. Too so, hard? Yeah, it was like I just couldn't win like against oh. this other uh, cabaret club. And so I just went on with the game and finished it. I'll probably come back and try to finish the cabaret minigame at some point, but it's going to So what? how does it... Sp- can you explain uh, to those of us who haven't played it in brief how 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 it works and how it spi- how that one is so hard that you can't do it? Um, well, it's no different really from the zero one. It's just um, it's a bit of a diner dash sort of mini game where you have to sort of pair hostesses with um, clients in a way that yeah. sort of Keeps fulfills their ne- needs. Yeah, but yes. the the problem with the the final boss is that they just she's she's just beasting it, just like gaining money so fast that you can't keep up it's not really anything like a specific mechanic that's harder or anything it's pretty Uh, much the same game um so it's just it's just the way it is in zero the the last boss was hard but doable and in two it's just it's just i i need to and i've gone round town and bought all of the the partnerships and i've I've recruited a load of hostesses so i'm not quite sure what i what to do what are you missing Yeah. yeah There might be a video out there which sort of gives you a tutorial to, as to what the strategy... There must be a strat. It must be doable. Yeah, yeah. And I expect you have to do it to get 100% and to get the platinum trophy or whatever if you're going for that. Not that you probably are, but some people would be. Mm. Interesting. Um, and tell us about the soundtrack to the Cabaret Operation game. What does it evoke? I just like all the music for the the... Even in the other games with the the hostess clubs, so there are some um, going to hostess clubs and chatting to the girls, and then there's like this this cabaret mini game where you actually run a club, and mm. all of the music for those two sorts of things tends to be a lot more lighthearted and provides a bit of you know relief from the stressful you know aggressive guitars sort of music that plays when you're beating people up in the streets, <laughs> and this is just a very you know cheesy bubblegum pops EDM sort of song that's really nice and really easy on the ears as well because you're going to hear it over and over and over again um yeah okay well thanks for coming and bringing such excellent tunes and listener we'll leave you with this and take care and be good to each other and stay safe look after each other yeah well said charlotte and we'll see you next time on sound of play bye